Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. We got tons of recruiting stuff going up in the next couple of days. We got, obviously, game preview with Illinois homecoming weekend. I know many of you guys will, former Badgers will be back in town for that and whatnot. But we are joined here with Scott Wisniewski, the Polish Rifle. Good buddy, good brother. And we, before we even talk about anything football related with the Packers, narrow win uh, on Monday Night Football against the very much the substitution prone uh, or the, yeah, the second string prone San Francisco 49ers. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But first off, playoff baseball comes back to Miller Park tomorrow night. They forced a game three or game six, I should say, the Milwaukee Brewers, game three at Miller Park for this NLD, uh, NLCS. And, Scotty, it's uh, very easily they probably could have swept the Dodgers, but here we are. The Do- L- you know L.A. is up three games to two, and pressure's on Milwaukee, but they also get the home field advantage at Miller Park with the final two games, at least the first game uh, and game seven if necessary. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I feel like this series now is going to not Brewers uh, favor, and and I kind of feel like my head wins out because I picked Dodgers in six, my heart picked Brewers in seven. Both are still possible, I suppose, right? Um, yeah, it was very disappointing. Um, you know, when when you look at it. Uh, let's go back to uh, let's let's recap the series as best we can. So game one, the Brewers win. Game two, you can argue that if the Brewers stick with Wade Miley, the bullpen doesn't get as taxed, not re- resulting in Jeffers not having to pitch a second inning because he would have only had to pitch one, which means Turner doesn't hit the two run home run. The Brewers go up two zip in theory. That's not what happened. So they leave Milwaukee tied one one, have a great game in game three, and win it. Game four goes uh, we into the wee hours of the night in the extra innings. And unfortunately, what ends up happening there is you got a situation where, you know, neither team was. Uh, Junior Guerra was pitching his fourth inning of work, and he was doing a great job. You had uh, Ballinger up with uh, a runner at second. You had Yasmani Grandal behind him. And then you had the pitcher spot. The bench had been completely depleted. There was no more bench to be used, and there were no more people in the bullpen to be used, leaving Urias as, as a guy who has to hit for himself. He's lifetime three for third. Now, you could argue, even though it's unprecedented a, to uh, in a normal regular season game, you could have argued that you could have walked Ballinger and Grundell to load the bases for the pitcher. Um, and hence then, uh, with two outs, that would have ended the inning, and the game would have continued, and who knows what would have happened. Earlier in the game, you could make the argument that had the Brewers employed a little bit of small ball and with Pena on second base, had um, Arcia uh, move him over to third instead of him. And then the next batter, Granderson, hits a long fly ball, which would have then scored the runner. Instead, it effectively did nothing. It was the second out of the inning, and the Brewers ended up not scoring. So if those things would have happened, we never would have had to see a Game 5, which was kind of disastrous. And, again, you can call me a naysayer or a second-guesser. You can call me whatever you want. I really don't care if you're listening to the show. 
Um, because I don't second guess. I say things in the moment. If you were watching the game with me, you would have heard me say these things when they happen. But you heard me say last week that my fear with using guys from the bullpen four or five times in a seven-game series is in in a course of nine days, hitters are going to get a lot of looks at certain players. Like I said, that that deployment of the bullpen worked against Colorado. What what effectively was a three-game series. It's a little bit different in a long series, and I think you're starting to see some of those fissures as guys are starting to be able to adjust to the swings of some of the Brewers relievers multiple times. That being said, it really makes me feel uh, worrisome about Game 6 and Game 7. A, we don't even know who the Brewers are going to pitch. It's likely going to be Miley. The Dodgers have proven one thing because they haven't necessarily hit better than the Brewers in this series. What they have done, though, in this series is they've been able to rely on a little bit more from their starting pitching. Game one with Kershaw, he wasn't great. He was great yesterday. And when you have really good top-line starting pitching, which I understand the Brewers don't have yet, don't get me wrong, but you can see why sometimes still the tried-and-true traditional way to run a pitching staff in a long series, I think, is still the right way, still the winning way anyway. It. It's it's been interesting to watch just the chess match and then Wade Miley being pulled after one hitter to get uh, you know Woodruff in there and and Woodruff I mean I think you hit it on the head fine. like yeah it, it, yeah he pitched fine he pitched fine and he pitched great uh, and didn't deserve that loss I mean when you score what three you know how many runs in in you know what twenty three some odd innings well, and two of those uh, were in the ninth inning like let's be honest like so I mean you could you could right. make the case that they scored two runs and in the first 22 innings or, you know what I'm saying? And then he scored attack on, you know, run in the end. So one of them, but yeah, right. right. So two runs over 22 innings, it's going to be hard to win any ball game. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, you, you saw a little bit, you know, Lorenzo Kane kind of got back into it yesterday, two for four, but Christian Yelich, you know, he's batting 150 in, you know, he had, he left three on base yesterday and was 0 for four. Uh, and he hasn't really captured that MVP feel throughout the entire playoffs, including the NLDS against Colorado. Really, it's been others stepping up. So if, you know, it's a an opportunity for them to come back and and face, you know, the Dodgers and, and what's next ahead with them to see really what, in, if they can regain it. I mean, I think it still goes seven. I mean, we're coming on to your predictions right now where, you know, your prediction you know, from last week could come true, where this team uh, has the, um, you know, the ability to lose. And the next thing you know, they're going to be, you know, Dodgers in six, like you predicted last week. I think they'll force the game seven just based on the mo. It's, there's just, I feel that they could, uh, the starters, by the way, it's, it's Ryu, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's Ryu, uh, with the 1.97 ERA, uh, obviously throughout the season. And then you have Wade Miley is what they're, de- who they're designating, right now uh according to the mlb website so it you know it i think the one thing i mean they, they could have swept i feel that you know just i mean like i said there's still two more games left there are lots you know there's lots that can happen and, and i think that there's a there's a magic there uh that's a, a weird variable that i think milwaukee can use however it's also just uh you know you look back and, and that, that hitting really needs to come through. Uh, I think it really does. And, you know, yeah, game three, they had uh, some good runs come through, but 
uh, you know, like I said, they, uh, it, it rough two game, you know, game two and game four, man. It's, uh, they had a chance to potentially sweep and they didn't get it done. Now, kudos to Dodgers, too. It's, it's, it's a hard series, right? This is, they are the top two teams in the National League, is, is how it's going to play out this year. They have a chance to be the best team in the National League to come out, uh, you know, uh, of that league to, to face the eventual, American League champion, which right now uh, looks like the Red Sox uh, with a three-one advantage, which they played tonight, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and so, it will be very interesting to see how that plays out, in my opinion. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a tough matchup. But uh, it sounds like, I mean, I mean, I think uh, I know we don't, you and I both, right? We don't cover our credential to cover the games, but just based off and of I'd, I'd, I'd like to descriptions like this way in future years, but yeah, I would too. Absolutely. I would like to as well, but I'm just wondering, like, you know, I, I mean the demeanor of this team just based off of what you've seen through the media. I mean, it seems like they're pretty laid back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure the pressure is going to yeah, be on. Right? I, I, I feel like they're a very and laid then, back team. However, I feel like, uh, they got they i feel like they got tight um in the later part of game 4 and then yesterday i felt like at least offensively they played tight i feel like um I, i'm disappointed now i was happy to see kane do something i'm disappointed though in some in a little bit in like say mustakis a veteran who's been through this before and how he's tightened up a, a little bit at the plate and how he's and been terrible i mean you know, 0 for 14 with runners in scoring position um, had a chance. I mean, granted, a grand slam's a lot to ask for, but even a double. Like he could have broken yesterday's game open in the third inning uh, when he came up with the bases loaded and struck out. You know, um, we've just been waiting in over the course of the last couple games for somebody other than Arcia to get a big hit. You know what I mean? And and it just hasn't happened. And I think that's where the the frustration comes as, as watching these games is, you know, they're better than this as at least on a plate. And again, I take nothing away from Clayton Kershaw, one of the best we've seen in the last decade of, of baseball. Right. But come on, man, you, you got to swing the bat better than that. You got to have better at bats. And, and they just, they didn't do that. And, and because of it, they're on the brink of elimination, man. And, and it, it's, it's something that, I, I know they're concerned about, and they they have to be because it's 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 not going to be easy, right? I mean, I'm looking at the batting average right now. This team, like, or just some of those that that were a part of the you know, the lineup yesterday, right? Um, Kane two fifty for you know. I'm trying to figure out if this is the series or if it's the just the entire playoffs. Entire uh, playoffs. Gonna, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah but Yelich is one fifty. This is off MLB.com, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Bronze two thirty eight. Uh, Aguilar, you know, Aguilar, not, not Aguilera, according to Bob Casas, but Aguilar, uh, 222. Mm. And then, you know, Hernan Perez is 143. Who, who's, who's doing it? It's, it's Orlando Arcia at 316. Arcia it's been the bottom of the order. It's the guys who aren't supposed to be producing. Everybody else is, I mean, let's face it, everybody else has struggled. Um, aside from Santana coming off the bench, but that's what, three at bats. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking a look right now. It is. Yeah, I mean, Pena right now is batting 500. He's two for four. You know, he's played in three games, but yeah, Santana is two for five. Or is it two for four as well with the pinch hitting? Um, yeah, I mean, out of all the regular position players, it's RC at 316. Yeah, and those those numbers actually do reflect 
the NLCS uh, from what I'm seeing on the okay. Brewers website too. So like I said, the pitching has been great. Yeah. They coughed up five runs, but a lot of that, I think, you know, a lot of changes if you can get more runs on the board early on, like you saw, uh, you know, like if you, if they, you know, like so take advantage of the basis load opportunity or if they, uh, you know, they work their way through instead of just getting one run that inning, uh, that makes a huge difference. So it, again, uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda, they need to get back on track. And, and obviously the Milwaukee faithful will be, will be out there tomorrow. Wish I had tickets, uh, but it'll be very interesting to see nonetheless. And I mean, yeah. I mean, what's your prediction? Do you think they make a game seven? I mean, are you sticking with your game, your Dodgers and six prediction? I'm going to stick with Dodgers and six. Like, um, I feel like there's nothing the Brewers can throw at the Dodgers that they haven't seen already from a pitching standpoint. And I feel like they're starting to heat up. Eventually one of these offenses was going to heat up, right? I mean, because the Dodgers, aside from Justin Turner's home run in game two, had done really nothing offensively until the 14th inning of game four. And then yesterday they were able to get some traction, right? So from that standpoint, I feel like they're the ones that look like they're ready to heat up and that's going to be problems for the Brewers. Now, if they do win game six, um, I think they, the Brewers will then win the series because they'll be able to turn the momentum back their way. And I know there's a lot of smart baseball people out there who disagree with me and believe that there's no such thing as momentum in baseball, but that's just not true. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll argue that with them until the day, you know, one of us is no longer walking the earth. There is such thing as momentum in baseball, especially in a playoff series. So the Brewers need to somehow find a way. They need a break. They need something to happen. They need maybe a fluky play, or they need somebody to step up that 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 hasn't yet, and they need to turn and win game six. And if they do, then I'm going to go with the Brewers. But if I just don't, I don't feel it. My gut tells me that uh, I, I I can't project who I think is going to be the guy who finally breaks out of this malaise that they're in. And because I can't seem to get a, a read on it, I just have to go with my safe pick, which is the Dodgers win on Friday. Yeah. I think it really, I mean, if, if the big thing, this team was carried by Kristen Yelich so long during that, you know, that stretch in September and when he heated up like he did, I, I think, I mean, that something has to pop up with him to make it happen. Him and Kane have to get something started. And and, and, he, and here's the thing. I'm not going to lay it all on him because, yes, he's, have, he's having a bad postseason by his accounts, right? Right. And, and that's great. But he did so much down the stretch to even get them in this position. Other people have to step up. Right. You no. know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not all on him. Let me just say, yeah, I'll, let me qualify that. It's not all on him. But You can make the argument that they don't get here. If it wasn't for the contribution of Yelich uh, in September, and, what was it a twenty, know, and 20 and seven? That. Yeah, twenty and seven record uh, that during that month of September. I mean, it's right, right. So, um, so I mean, and I know that he's going to wear some of the burden of this because that's the professional he is, and great players, you know, take credit and and responsibility. But I'm I'm not ready to lay. I, you know, yeah, he hasn't been great in the postseason, but I think he's done enough to, to uh, uh, be grandfathered in for the rest of this 2018 calendar year, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. So, um, so what about Manny Machado? What, what, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want, we, we all know what, it, I, let me, let me just say this. I didn't expect and didn't ever project Manny Machado as being a dirty player, but I feel like he is. And here's the thing. 
I wasn't as upset about the double placed hand on on the uh, Brewers middle infielders. I, I thought it was kind of silly, but I I don't think it was something that he was trying to injure anybody with. Okay, thought he was obstructing a play, but I don't consider that dirty per se. Um, but the thing with Aguilar. It, it, if Aguilar is a smaller guy, I think he roll his ankle completely. He could have sprained his ankle. I mean, thankfully he's got tree trunks for legs, but definitely a, a dirty play. And and I, I guess I would have been okay with it if Machado didn't try to defend his actions so many times after the game. And you know, and obviously Major League Baseball was smart enough to know better because they find him. But you know, you have to at some point. Uh, if you're Machado, I would have said, yeah, you know what? I got caught up in a moment. I apologize. Instead, he just made it seem like it was no big deal. And uh, it's I don't like it. Um, and you have this commercial out now. I was trying to take a shot at the unwritten rules of baseball and let the kids play. You know what? Fine enough. I mean, I'm not going to – I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But where Machado did, no room in a game for that. Written rule, unwritten rule, you can call it whatever you want. It's garbage. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I feel this team, I mean, it was a terrible play. I actually, I woke up to seeing the Manny Machado play on Aguilar. Uh, obviously, you saw the, the, uh-huh. the couple of slides in the second, which I really didn't have that much of a problem with. Like, I didn't think it was dirty, just him trying to, I mean, it's a player trying to obstruct and trying to for, you know, force an errant throw. Uh, albeit it was again, you know, the second time around, they, they caught him for, for that. And, uh, and subsequently got, you know, was called out, but I, yeah, that, that play with the, uh, you know, with just with Aguilar at first is, is uncalled for. No, I had a, a friend of mine on Facebook that had mentioned that, you know, he played first base and it, he's like, obviously Machado's wrong, but he also said that like Aguilar maybe no, needs to get off no. the bag a little quicker. No. And I was wondering no. about that. I, 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 granted, a lot of the shots that I saw were in slow motion. So it's not like you're, to me, like what's, what's the, as a guy that does video editing, what's the, what's the time lapse on that? Uh, you know, obviously when I saw all the. In, in the case of a fluke, uh, like collision or accident. Right. But no, there's nothing okay with what Manny Machado did. And regardless of whether uh, Aguilar had his his, uh, his foot on there half a second too long or not, no, not, uh-uh. no, it, it wasn't. It, it, the ball was in his glove. You you couldn't have counted completely to one before uh, Machado was there. So it wasn't like he held it there for like two seconds. No, I, it, it, there's just nothing that makes that okay. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's uh, yeah, so he likes it either way. Is bad. I know. He apparently, I think the athletic initially reported that he was fined and undisclosed about. But uh, but yeah, no, he um, it does make you wonder. I mean, also just seeing just not running out balls. You know, like when you get grounded in a double play and he didn't, you know, run it out. Um, other things that make you kind of tilt your head in one of the most important games. You know, games that he'll probably play in. And the fact that he got out of Baltimore, a uh, hundred plus loss team, and you know, and, and whatnot, found that interesting. But then again, I mean, you know, it's it, that's his prerogative, apparently. So, um, but yeah, but no, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him on a free agent market coming up in. Uh, well, you know, it could be you know next couple of days, or or obviously if he make it to the World Series, what happens after that? 
well, he's going to get his money. Um, somebody's going to pay him. And um, I, I don't think that being him needing to grow up is going to keep, let's face it. Uh, I mean, Yasiel Puig is as much of a, a divisive figure and he's been on the, on the Dodgers for quite some time. And the Brewers were rumored to once almost want to trade with, him, you know what I mean? Trade for him. Um, so from a financial standpoint, he's going to be fine. Um, but I think what he's done in the, in the, the, the eyes of the public, the court of public opinion is he's made himself to look like kind of a jerk. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, turn our attention real quick to, to some Packer talk, right? Not a, uh, great, uh, a win's a win in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. They're three and two, you know, three, two and one, uh, heading into their bye week. But it took a you know two minute drill touchdown to uh, Devontae Adams, and then an interception came through. But their Fortnite were driving, and then Rodgers took over and, and got Crosby within range to to knock through a game winning field goal. And your initial thought—I mean, I was honestly—I'll be honest with you—I didn't watch much of the Packer game up until mm-hmm. uh, the Brewers won in LA, and then I switched back over. I, I was going back and forth when I could, obviously, but. Uh, from what I saw in little glimpses, I wasn't necessarily impressed. And but obviously, I'm always impressed when Aaron Rodgers, uh, the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion, uh, and you can quote me on the quote unquote makes a drive like that and saves a team from a terrible loss and head into the bye week scratching their heads. Which I'm, I still feel like they're still scratching their heads as to how that how well you can scratch your head all you want, and and but if you lose that game, you're not you're not making playoffs. That that simple. Um, because we talked about it last week when I actually defended their Detroit performance because I thought they played well as a team aside from penalties, and what I really thought was the loss of that game in that game just made their margin of error razor thin, and that margin of error would have been gone if they lost to the Niners at home. So, um, yeah, I mean the defense has to figure some things out. Now I'll I'll say this though, I mean some people you know tend to overreact, right? And there's people who are like, this defense is not not any better. It's actually worse than the Dom Gapers one. I'll, I'll tell you why I disagree with that. And being, really, specifically, the comment was Mike Patton is no better than okay. – I disagree with that because the one thing Patton does do, and he did it on, on, uh, later in the game against the, the Niners, and he did it in the second half against Washington, is he will make adjustments on the fly. He will disguise some things, whereas a lot of times Dom Capers just kept doing the same thing and saying, well, it's just eventually going to work. Okay, so I do like that. And let's be fair, Mike Pettin is doing the best he can with a team of players that is mostly inherited by him. You know, you know, these weren't guys that Mm -hmm. were necessarily picked and designed to fit into his defensive scheme. So I think they're they're in good hands, but I don't necessarily think the overall performance is any better, if if that makes sense. Right. So um, so I think I think that's the thing you have to look at is. The defense is going to be a struggle, and and I think the only way this is a playoff team at, at all is they have to figure out a way to split the next two games. They have the bye week, they go to the Rams, then they go to New England. If if they lose both of those games, you know you're three, four, and one, and you're still having to go to Chicago, you're still having to go to Minnesota, and you're you're likely no better than a nine, six, and one team, which I don't think is going to get you in the playoffs which then also is probably not going to keep Mike McCarthy employed as a Green Bay Packer head coach. So I, I do think they have to figure out a way to split because they lost the ability to lose both these games when they lost to Detroit. 
and when they tied with Minnesota. See what I mean? Had they won, had they won those two games, and they were mm-hmm. going into the bye week uh, with a f- uh, five and one record, then yeah, they could absolutely lose the next two and still be sitting pretty. They can't do that now, so they have to figure out a way to get it done. And I think honestly, as weird as this sounds, when you look at the success that they've had um, over the years, I think their best chance to get it done is going to be against New England because Rams look darn formidable. Yeah, no, it's not going to be. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm worried about the Rams. I mean, mm-hmm. what they're doing right I now. Mean, is do, be... do they not to you look like the best team in the NFC right now? I mean, yes, right now they do absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that I think you know you have to be afraid of. So yeah, so no, I think that's going to be big. Um, yeah, but they can rest up. They can try to get players back. But yeah, they're going to need all hands on deck coming up, to say the least. Uh, but good to see Mason Crosby come back and and drill those field goals. I think he was named uh, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, wasn't that a good story? And, and um, I, 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 I've not just because we've had a chance to to speak to him on the show. He was a great guy, but I I root for the guy, and he had a tough, tough. You know, there were people again saying foolish stuff like, "How come they aren't cutting him?" Like Minnesota cut their kicker. Well, uh, because Minnesota's kicker was in his second NFL game. And Mason Crosby for quite a number of years. Maybe that's the reason. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy that, that that worked out for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else you want to touch base on? Uh, Wisconsin obviously gets trounced by Michigan. Uh, wow. And that was a, I mean, there it was a two score game heading into the fourth quarter. And uh, the, the offense, I mean, did not carry the team like it needed to. Tough task against the Michigan defense that it was, I think I mentioned during the podcast last week, it's an elite unit, but uh, you know, just two, was it two eleven on uh third down uh, only gained 283 yards, ran the ball well, but just, uh, you know, it, it, rough game. They're out of the, obviously now for sure, college football playoff picture. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, still can play for the big 10 West division, uh, which is still up in the air and they hold a tiebreaker over Iowa, but you also, uh, you know, the Big Ten championship game is still intact and technically they could still win the Big Ten champion, Big Ten, you know, conference championship. Uh, in they, December, could. they could uh, right now with their defense and the walking wounded in the secondary, which if you guys went to Bucky's fifth quarter right now, you know, Dakota Dixon's among four defensive backs listed as questionable. <laughs> which includes- I could be, uh, by the way, I could be a, a billionaire Saturday if I win the lottery, too. So. You could, too. But, um, uh, would, you, would you share? No. Of course, no, sure. no, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Oh, hang on a second. But yeah, I, I guess I'm just I'm 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 not. I guess I'm upset that I'm not surprised with how that went. You know what I mean? Like I had a bad feeling in my gut that this game was was, was going to kind of get ugly, and and it did. And again, I I think I've said this before. As I, with my age has come some wisdom and some humility. And, and I actually, when it comes to predictions like that, or my prediction about the Brewers losing in six, I like I, I just prefer to be wrong about those things. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't wrong on Saturday. So hopefully I'll be wrong this weekend uh, about the Brewers. But yeah, I just, I had this feeling and, and I know Wisconsin's better. I do, but I just had a feeling that that's not how it was going to play out on Saturday. And, and it, well, that's what we got. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing there. There are so many plays that could 
you know, a third down drop by AJ Taylor, a, you had, I mean, the one thing, I mean, they're only down 13 to seven and that roughing the long snapper penalty, which I think, uh, JB on Bucky's fifth quarter in his grades had put it perfectly on him where he said it was specious where on the surface it looked okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But looking a little bit deeper probably wasn't, uh, it looks like the guy called it more than anything. He sold it more than anything, but, uh, which is also the second roughing the long snapper penalty that's happened to Wisconsin against Michigan in the past three years. Uh, and so, I think that's a big game changer because if they get off the field, not, I'm not saying Wisconsin goes down the field and scores. Let me just tell you that, but it's still a yeah. one score game. Uh, yeah. The play, the play prior to that punt with Reggie Pearson, who I thought played really good. He's by the way, also questionable uh, in make in, in the game too. He got injured late in, late in that loss, but gosh, um, that forced fumble. If that ball does the, as John Veldheis mentioned, the Jared Aberderis fumble where it just stood right at the tip of the sideline and didn't go out of bounds. Uh, you see a streaking Duran Harrell going down the field and, and you know, he's, he's making a, a push for it. So maybe he gets the ball and he, they, you know, maybe it's a completely different game, but that's why you play football. That's why there's tons of different plays. They got gashed on the zone read type looks against Shea Patterson. They, uh, you know, they gave up 320 yards rushing, which is obviously not optimal. Uh, but then the defense wore down and the offenses, you know, it, it, they could run the ball, but, they couldn't generate the move in the chains and that you just tire out the defense. Not much more you can do about that. And so does the uh, Illini get them this week? No, no, I'm saying 41, 17. I think it's going to be a little bit closer to start. I think Illinois, I mean, they're averaging, they're 22nd in the nation. They average 229 yards per contest on the ground. Now passing wise, they only give up, they only throw for 155, which is like 110th in like the bottom fifth of, of the of college football right now in the FBS. So it's going to be a heavy run game, I think. Even with Wisconsin secondary being depleted uh, with injuries or potentially depleted, it I think Wisconsin, I mean, Illinois' defense is, but they're the best in, the, they're one of the best in the Big Ten. They're best in the Big Ten, I believe, but they're also like in nationally. They are tied for fifth in interceptions. They are tied for, they're like second in the Big Ten, I think. T- around 12th nationally when it comes to turnovers per game, which is just a hint over two. So, I mean, this is a team that, well, I mean, well, if you well, get pressure good. and that's, whatnot. That's good because, you know, that, that means that Hornerbrook will give them plenty of shots. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the big thing with Illinois, though, is that they got one, they got walloped by Purdue 46 to seven in their homecoming game last week. They give up over 500 yards per game total. They are, they give up 31 and a half points per contest. And then rushing wise, Wisconsin should be licking its chops that they should run the ball over Illinois pretty handily because they give up over 200 yards on the ground. And that's what Wisconsin does best. Uh, and then on top of that, though, they give up 300 yards passing per game, which I'm not saying Alex Hornibrook's going to pass for 350 or anything like that uh, by any stretch. But, well, but see, that's he could. He's he is he has not been a great he's not been a championship quarterback. I, I don't think anybody can argue that. However, he, for as bad as he can look in some games like Saturday, he could look really good in other games. Um, it just, it just hasn't been consistent enough over his his career. So yeah, he he could. He's I, I, if if he threw for two eighty and and three touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised on Sunday if I had a like saying, "Yep, no, I could believe he did that yesterday" because that's just how Hornerbrook's career has been. 
Right, no, and I, I agree on that end where it's just, I mean, you saw it against Miami, 258 yards, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, and four touchdowns against the Hurricanes defense that, you know, everyone talked about the turn- turnover chain. I could see something similar, uh, on, you know, on Saturday, but I think people just, it's hard because, and, and you, you know, I, I talked to Jason Galloway on his podcast, uh, the you know, the Red Zone, which is on for the Wisconsin State Journal in earlier this week, and we're talking about it, it just, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I just, with, with Hornybrook, it's just a, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it where, you know, he has those games like that. And it's just, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I oh, the, my, the favorite, that's what I told Jason, the, the favorite player on the team for fans is the backup quarterback. And we've talked about that before. Oh yeah. And, and it's a thing where you, with this team that everyone's looking at Jack Cohn and, and, and he played Jack Cohn is a true sophomore, probably going to red shirt. They haven't played him yet when they had mop up time in the one game against New Mexico. Danny Vandenboom, the son of former Wisconsin All-American, former walk-on safety, Matt Vandenboom. Uh, he came in the game instead, so he has not played all year. So he could keep his red shirt, really. He's still number two on the depth chart, but he hasn't played a game. But he played well enough where even Michael Dieter, the starting left guard, had mentioned that he thought that if Alex would anything happen to Alex, Jack would come in and run the offense pretty well. Uh, and or at least you know to a similar. I won't say necessarily a similar level, but he praised him, saying that he they can go in and he can run the offense. So my head, that means to me that you know he could be ready, but no one has the game experience like Hornybrook. He is who he is, and I think people just need to realize that he is a pretty good thrower. He can't run worth a lick. Uh, if he can scramble for a little bit, that helps uh, to try to get out of pocket or get a first down. Uh, he won't like he's not gonna like go crazy running the ball. I think Cohen has a little bit more mobility, but uh, he's got the experience and he's got the leadership and he's a captain. So my, you know, and he's a competitor and he's got a very cool, calm collective about him where he, after he throws an interception, he'll try to come back and he'll throw, you know, he'll go at it and, and he goes by the same demeanor like he always does. So, uh, you know, my head, I, I feel that he, yeah, like I said he'll probably go down as the all-time winningest quarterback. If people like that quarterback win stat, I know some do, some really don't. But he, you know, he's he's a good quarterback. Is it, you know, is he a Baker Mayfield? No. Is he uh, what you see with a Dwayne Haskins? No. Uh, no, not even, not even, not even in the same zip code. But we'll see. I mean, they're finally. I mean, and and again, anything can happen. That's why I don't get excited about national signing days and, and, you know, crap like that. But there's some quarterbacks on the horizon for this team that might actually be able to rival the player Russell Wilson. I know that's a tall, tall ask. Uh, You know, maybe that's a lot to put upon an unproven player, right? But, I mean, I feel like the tide might finally be changing, but let's be honest. You know, you want to protect the brand, you know, graduate and and badger – you get to see the team and all that stuff. You you know that the one if you can pick one deficiency this team has had amongst teams that are nationally elite, okay, not across the nation, but amongst say top fifteen teams, their deficiency has been at quarterback. Um, and again, I, I got into a heated debate with somebody who said, "Well, you know, blah blah blah." Horner Brooks not even a Big Ten quarterback. Well, that's stupid to say. Said you know, there's a lot of teams that he'd be in. Uh, uh, lauded as one of the best players on their team if he was playing at indiana if he was playing but if he's going to be a nat on if if this team the badgers are going to be on a national stage and a legit contender 
you'd have to say that that's where he's been disappointing. So by and large, when you look at his numbers, when his career ends, it's not going to look like he was terrible, um, but it just wasn't to the level needed to be for this team to be a national champion. Yeah, no, it, 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 I'm I, like, obviously this year, you know, it's, this will not end with uh, any type of, I mean, last year, and I, I thought about this even earlier that, you know, time over four, that last year was the best chance they had to get to the college football playoff. They had the schedule, they had the players, they had the defense uh-huh. to hold where it could, but, you know, uh, obviously it didn't happen. And I thought that was their best. I honestly thought that was their best chance. This year it was just too many questions in, in defense, even though it looked like they had reloaded in the first two games, the past four have been different stories. So we go into that. We'll see uh-huh. what comes in there and we'll see what happens next year. Obviously I think Hornybrook still starts. Uh, I, I think that's a given uh, just because he's going to be a redshirt senior, but I also feel Jack Cohn will push a little bit more. Uh, at least this is what I'm saying at the moment. I, I uh-huh. feel that, I mean, I think Jack cohn has got some good intangibles. I think he's got some good, abilities but we'll see if he can usurp and upend uh you know a redshirt senior who's you know going to go into that season probably going to try to come get the that all-time wins record and and has that leadership and that captain's experience but uh you know and for anyone asks saying that graham mertz is going to come in and and, and kind of roll you know take over the starting position or want wants him to i mean just he's going to enroll early from what we're hearing according to the recruiting services but you just might want to hold off because trying to take on a complex offensive system like Paul Chris can take a little bit of time and trying to digest all that uh, takes time. And I think he has an ability to be a great quarterback. I, I just put together an SB nation recruiting video about him that you guys will be seeing in a little bit, uh, you know, on online. And it turned out great. I thought, and you, you see a lot of the great skill set has a great touch, has a good arm, more than solid arm. He's got a good arm uh-huh. uh, and, and can make, make some great throws. But I also feel that putting a lot on a true freshman to say, Oh, come in and start with this offense and, and learn. But be be that as it may, I, I don't agree with that as far as what's likely to happen. But if I'm the Badgers and I'm that coaching staff, while I would I, I would be it would be unlikely for him to come in and, and start, I would at least allow myself a five percent chance that he could come in and be amazing and not close yourself off to that. Because again, um I feel like you know, you're the the not the people who aren't as embedded in hardcore as you, for example, the rank and file casual Badger fans, I feel like they're getting they restless, are. and you know so and and that's why and as much as I will fight to the death with people online as you may or may not have seen who want to put all of the woes on this team on Hornerbrook and things of that nature, I do as much as I think that's silly for them to say those things, I also can kind of see where some of that comes from. So. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, let's get through this year first. There's still a chance for them to do some things and some special things, and we'll worry about next year when next year comes. But I think you just have to at least be open-minded if you're that coaching staff. Well, maybe he might. Maybe Mertz will come in here and be, you know, amazing. And 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 you know, even though likely I wouldn't bet on it, I just don't want them to say, "No, you know what? It's not going to happen. We're not going to give him the chance." Yeah, you know I. I, mean? I, I... Uh, let me say this and qualify it too. It's one of those things where we, I feel that, you know, just based off of spring practices and fall camp, that Hornybrook would be, you know, and Cone would, would with that knowledge and, and playing well in fall camps and having the game time experience like Hornybrook does, that that's what put them on a different level compared to the other quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not talking to like, you know, just, 
talking to a couple of people or talking to one person really in particular, I mean, the competition is always open. I think that's one thing that I think people, I don't know if they realize, even though that we anoint, like, I'll be honest, like I said that Hornybrook's going to be the starter this coming into this year. There's no doubt. Even people saying, oh, well, he played well in the Orange Bowl, but I, I think Cohen will take it. I go, and I, I said, no. Uh, flatly, and I, I still, th- it's not that I'm a, a horny brook apologist, it's just the way that I see things. So, uh, but you know, I, uh-huh. but in you know, talking to somebody, uh, during spring ball, it's just it, the, the competition there is, there's always gonna be competition. So, if Jack Cohn can come in and take and, and take over, you know, and showcase that he's the better quarterback in spring ball coming up and then fall camp, well, then we get we have something to talk about. Um, you know, and if Graham Mertz comes in and some suddenly lights up the, the world or even Danny Vandenboom, who will be a third year player, redshirt sophomore, if he comes in and starts lighting up some stuff, well, then there's something to talk about. Or Chase Wolf, even a redshirt freshman who has quite a gun. He's from the Cincinnati area and has a, a great arm. Um, but, you know, he threw, if I'm not mistaken, at least a couple of interceptions during fall camp. But, it you know, that's a true freshman learning, learning to uh, go through the, the motions there of college football. So, uh, I mean, like I said, the competition's there. If, they, if, if anyone can step up and, and take over from Hornybrook and dethrone him, the coaching staff will put him in there. I think that's the thing that people need to realize is that they would not put Cone in, despite them thinking that he's, he could redshirt that new rule saying you can play four games uh, is in effect. And that would allow J- Cone to come in if they felt, you know, in, in general, if they felt that, he was a better quarterback. They would probably put him in. That's just my thing. So, anyways, uh, sorry, I went down the rabbit hole there. That's, uh, but on that note, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we take it home, brother? No, no, I think that covers it. Awesome. Well, uh, on that note, uh, yeah, guys, check in next week. We'll talk more Badgers. They go down to Northwestern. Hopefully Northwestern gets back to me on credentials. Uh, we yeah, because I filled them out on Sunday. We got Brewers. Obviously, we'll, we will either recap the Brewers season or we'll talk about the World Series matchup against uh, either the Red Sox or the Astros. Most likely the Red Sox, unless there's a huge, huge overthrow, a uh, huge change of momentum there. Uh, we'll also talk. We gotta get Eric Name on here, by the way. Talk some some bucks in his new book. Uh, you know uh, his new book as well. So. Uh, we got a lot to catch up on, and obviously we'll probably preview Packers heading to L.A. and seeing what they can do against the Rams. Uh, anything, uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, Scott, you want to send us off, brother? Yeah, yeah. I, again, I hope everybody has a weekend, uh, whatever it is you're doing, a sweetest day. If you are into that stuff, that's more of a female holiday, I think. But uh, maybe I'll get a sweetest day gift, which would be Brewers Game 7 win. But whatever it is you're doing, getting ready for the, the Halloween season, catching some brewers. You don't have to worry about the Packer game this week, but um, and maybe that's a good thing. Sunday, take your kids out to the pumpkin farm. Do something cool. Whatever it is, I hope you enjoy your week, and I look forward to rejoining you, Jake, next week, Thursday, as we continue to talk Wisconsin sports. You bet you guys. You guys take care. For the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jake Kukorowski. Make sure you guys – like us on Facebook at Kielbasa Kings WI on Twitter for Scotty at Scott was news to me at J Coco B five Q. And then on top of that, uh, like the podcast, uh, you know, listen to it on iTunes, Google play, make sure you guys subscribe. It's free. This is all free listening. So we have some fun and we'll get some more guests coming up soon too, but uh, you guys take care. Enjoy the weekend. Stay warm. Catch you guys next week on the Kielbasa King sports extravaganza. 